previously on Just Cow in the City. Good evening, table for five. I will be doing the pizza challenge today. <laughs> Folks, that's comedy. They didn't have Oktoberfest. They're already on to the winter lager. I mean, this should be the movie. Can you come see the show? No, I hate you. Dave Juskow had no vision, and boy, was that a to-do. I'll be at your nearest public library. I cannot concentrate on my work. That's because he's an ass He's always in trouble As if he was a third grader He's like Barney Rubble He seems pretty dumb But he always has fun Just cow in the city Sometimes he's witty when the pressure is low. Just cow in the city. He's dynamite. Podcast should be on the radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Just Cow in the City, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving podcast. Everybody's favorite week of the year. Very exciting. You only got to work three days. Wednesday, the ultimate party night, if you're young, and then the stupid Thanksgiving, which everybody likes for about 10 minutes, and then the Friday after Thanksgiving, which rules, where the Jets are going to be playing the Dolphins on the new Black Friday, which I'm sure they're going to change the name of that any second, new NFL package game, a Friday after Thanksgiving game, the Jets and the Dolphins, the only way that game is fun as if the Jets win after this podcast has already uh, come out. So, anyway, that, who cares? Uh, okay, okay, hello. And, gosh, I hope everybody's going to have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you have some place to go, whether it's with family or a Friendsgiving. I, of course, would prefer Friendsgiving, but, I, you know, I don't really have any more friends. That I, I don't know what anybody does. I keep inviting people over to my sisters that may not have a place to go. Nobody wants to come. Can you blame them? My sister is so angry all the time. I I don't know. What am I going to do over there? I mean, I just, I like it. I like to eat a lot, obviously. My brother-in-law is an um, unbelievable cook. And then, like uh, any American normal uncle or father or grandfather, I like to take a goddamn nap. Now, why is that out of line? And I do not want to speak to any of Beth's neighbors after Thanksgiving. I do not want people to come over after we eat. Who would ever want that? You just ate like fucking pigs and then you want company after that? No one wants that. And that's what happens all the time. That's why I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to go there anymore. If I had a better offer, I would take it. But I don't. I mean, again, it's a it's a big confliction for me. Did I use that word right? Because I don't want to go there anymore. 
And yet my brother-in-law's cooking so phenomenal that I totally want to go over there. And I don't have a bad time, you know. I just enjoy hanging out. I enjoy watching football and stuff. It's just when they have the neighbors who I like usually uh, come on. I'm just, I'm just not interested in the small talk after we eat a huge meal. If they were sitting at the table with us while we were eating, that would be a totally different story. But they come over after. Who wants to do anything after? You tell me if you're interested in doing something after you've eaten on Thanksgiving. If that's the thing. If you're having a, a bunch of people like my friend Lawrence used to right across the way from us, like in our fucking faces, where our family just had the worst fucking Thanksgivings anyone could ever have. They just sucked with the worst people on the planet. I'm obviously exaggerating. They're not the worst people. But actually, Hitler used to come, which would be, quite frankly, he was delighted parties because, you know, you can't, he must have been extremely charming. So, what is this Thanksgiving you speak of? I'm like, why do you have to talk like that when you're just having a normal conversation? I cannot help myself. But yeah, we had horrible people, horrible people. It was just every Thanksgiving sucked more than the next. And right across the street, which we could see from our naked eye, because our backyard's connected, my friend Lawrence used to have a party with all the neighbors on the block. All the neighbors. And they'd have a huge Thanksgiving with like a buffet-style thing, help yourself, and a big party with lots of people. I went one year, I couldn't take it. I'm like, it's too much. There's too many people. <laughs> it's hot, it's crowded. I'm just not used to it. But for him, it was great. All the neighbors, their next door neighbors, their neighbors across the street, neighbors up the street, but not the Just Cows. They weren't invited because my dad was an idiot and couldn't get along with people. And this is why we had the worst people at our house for Thanksgiving. It, it was almost as, it was like an animal house where the fun is happening at the Delta house and we were the snobs who wouldn't let in, you know, the, the, the slobs, who, you know, the yuppies that wouldn't let in the slobs. I mean, whatever house that was, that uh, Dougie and whatever, you know, all the villains, that was our house. It was like a, we had a special ceremony where everybody got in their underwear and said, thank you, sir, can I have another? I mean, it, it just sucked. It sucked. And like I said, if you're, you know, at Lawrence's house and you're having a party and you're talking to everybody, it's a totally different thing. And of course, Larry Weinberg would always fall asleep after. And we have pictures and photographic evidence of him sleeping after. And it was hilarious. Now, why can't I be that guy? Why does my sister get angry? Nobody got angry at Larry Weinberg for sleeping. Remember, I told you that, I mean, this guy fell asleep everywhere. We went to Atlantic City for his son's bachelor party, fell asleep at the table, the craps table. Well, not the crap, but well, I don't remember where, where. Maybe it was Blackjack. I don't know. He fell asleep. We had to bring him upstairs. It was hilarious. This guy was the fucking best. He was so cool. And he's so cool. I want to take after him. I want to fall asleep for, I don't know, 15 minutes after the meal. 15 minutes. I do that at work all the time. Don't tell anybody. But everybody knows I'm much more productive after a 10-minute nap. My old boss used to know. The managing partner of my place like, well, don't wake. When he wakes up, tell him to call me. I need his help. I mean, everybody knew with a small five to ten minute nap, Dave Juskow was a much better employee. Because you know how it is when you're sitting at work and you're sitting at the front of that computer and your head is nodding off. You just got to really shut your eyes for really five to eight minutes. Five minutes, really. Just a shutdown for five minutes can completely keep you up 
for the rest of the day. At least I can. So fortunately, I think my bosses all know, with just a five-minute nap sitting in my chair and just sleeping, <laughs> most of the bosses I've had have been very kind and be like, just when, when, he, when he wakes up, just tell him that I'm here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? You just need to power down for a second, just kind of like a restart, like your computer. I am like a computer, and I'm nothing like a computer, because if I was like a computer, I'd be much smarter. Oh, but I'll tell you. So, yeah, I just, that's the one part. They always have people come over, and I'm like, now I don't, now I just want to watch uh, the Friends episode with the Brad Pitt. And that's the question. Do you watch it before or after? And so then I want to watch football. Because I think we eat around the time the Dallas game usually is, even though I think this game's going to Dallas against Washington. I don't know. But it's always fun. I mean, football. So, uh, well, anyway, I got so much more I got to tell you. Let's, let's do some housekeeping. As it is called first, um, let me so let me explain about Thanksgiving and what I'd like to propose. And obviously, you'll let me know if you're cool with it. You'll obviously let me know. Um, so like Sheldon Cooper, very much from the Big Bang Theory, I never take vacation days. You know this. I, I mean, I just don't. I mean, thank God. Thank God. The only reason I survive in this life is because for some reason I was blessed with a good work ethic. I don't know why. And I never want to take off. I always want to work around my schedule. I'm just not interested in vacation days. I don't know why. But right? Thank goodness. Because otherwise, I would just be the biggest slacker of all time. And my vacation days, I'm like, well, what am I doing? And I'm just watching TV anyway. I could I could do that when I'm working at home anyway. What's the difference? But I try not to turn on the TV when I'm at work. It's too distracting. You know me. I get lost. Well, what's happening on this episode of Seinfeld? I've seen a hundred times. So how's it going to end? <laughs> they're making me take off. Like Sheldon in the Big Bang Theory, they, they're like they're forcing me to take days off because I have them. And I mean, I guess they wouldn't force, but you just lose them. And that is even worse. And the concept of losing your vacation days is even worse. You all know this. My old company used to just pay it out, which would be totally better for me. And I'm just not interested in taking any days off. So I said, well, if I got to take, and plus even I'm taking about, I don't know, eight days off and I still am putting a week of days into 2024. I mean, that's how many days I have. I, I, I've only taken about five. I probably less. When I went to California, I think I took five days. You know, and I don't even know why I don't you. I think I'm always thinking something's gonna. Oh, I'm gonna get a. Mo- I'm gonna get a picture. I'm gonna get a picture. I'm gonna have to take off, so I better bank my days. Yeah, somebody's gonna call. Like Dave, I need you for this picture. I'm doing a picture. We gotta come to L.A. and work on this picture for a few weeks. But it's true. Like that guy, you know, Matt called me for the Mark Norman stuff, and I had to take a day off. So I'm always thinking, like, well, that's gonna keep happening. Or Jeff Ross is gonna call. I need you to come to Ireland with me. You know, I'm like, but you know, that's. That never happens when you're not preparing for it. When you prepare for it, it never happens. So I decided, I said, well, you know what? I'll take off the Saturday and Sunday. You know, I work Saturdays and Sundays. I'm like, well, they were like, can you take off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the first week of September? I'm like, I'd rather take off the weekends, like a normal person. I could be like a normal person. I have an actual weekend. So I figure I'll take the, the weekend of, uh, of Thanksgiving and, and be like a normal person. I got four days off, like a normal person. And they're like, uh, all right. But I'm like, well, how does that hurt? I mean, nobody, I'm not affecting anybody really. 
So I said, I'm going to take off between the Saturday and Sunday after Thanksgiving this, this week coming up. I'm going to take off a couple of days. So I was like, well, you know, I'm going to go to my sister. I figured, well, I'll just stay at my sister's. Even though I'm complaining about going to my sister's, well, I'll just stay. I've enjoyed staying there and just being in a house and being able to go outside and go for a walk or drive. It's definitely different than just being here in the city where I never leave if I have nothing to do. And plus, I'm doing that Rutherford gig on the Saturday between, you know, on Thanksgiving. So I'm like, well, I'll just stay in town. And maybe I'll even go to the tailgate on that Sunday. So I'll just do a whole Jersey day. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no way I could do the pockets if I stay over. I mean, I could, you know, but I don't want to carry all my equipment. That's a, that's a luggage full of equipment that I do when I tape me and Dory and Beth. And not lives, of course, she's um, Lifetime Band. Uh, but when we tape at the house, which is fun because my sister's like, but we do it every Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I thought we did that because we did it on one of the Jewish holidays, I think. So, you know, we don't need uh, more of Dory and Beth uh, more than once a year. But, I mean, it'd, it'd be fine. I'm sure you guys wouldn't care. But uh, whatever the case may be, it's still the same show. And then I just asked their opinions on everything I did that week. So it's really the same. We just have uh, guests, you know, co-hosts, you might say. So, but anyway, I just didn't want to bring all the equipment. Now, I told her, I'm like, well, we could do it. I could go on Zoom. We could all be in our laptops and do it that way. And that way I don't have to carry any equipment. But I don't know. And then I still have to edit it. And the editing takes eh, about six, six hours a week, maybe, between that and the bonus show. And well, I mean, if you put in the recording, it's, it's probably about an eight-hour process. So it takes a full day to record the podcast, the bonus show, the editing, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, but, you know, I want to take a weekend off. So I thought what I would do, and I thought because I don't want to take a week off. I don't want there not to be a show because obviously we try. Uh, even Right, I'd, I'd even take it off. I think we took off the July 4th. So it's different this year. Usually we just take off the between Christmas and New Year's and uh, the, the last uh, week in August. Although we did a July one because July 4th came on a Tuesday, so it seemed silly. So we took it on. So I tried. And plus, you know, with Patreon subscribers, you lovely, lovely people. I don't want to disappoint you. I mean, you are paying for the service. There's not that many people. But still, I respect the fact that I have Patreon subscribers, so I don't want to let you guys down. So I want to put out some sort of content and product. So what I'd like to do. And again, you you will tell me, remember, I mean, let's just look at it again, even though we did this when I went to California, we put in an interim show. It seemed like you guys liked it, the TV thing. I think I put it in a, a good order, like with the clips and everything that everybody seemed to like, because I know you let me know when you don't, which is fine. That's why I know never to do WJUS again. Let's not bring it up again. <laughs> I mean, it's funny to bring up. There's nothing funnier than bringing something like that up. But so I thought what I do is this. An interim show, you know, 30, 40 minutes next week where, okay, so this goes into my class my uh, at the university. As you know, I'm teaching a new class that's supposed to combine 80s movies, Clueless, and time travel, all my stuff. But I'm trying to figure out how to do this because it just none of it makes sense. And I'm putting it together, and Wednesday I'm racking my brain. Like, how am I starting this? How am I ending it? I mean, you know, I keep writing stuff down. I just came from Jimbo's. I'm like, I'm going to go to Jimbo's today. And of course, Bob and Liz walked in. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. But I went there to write down. I'm like, let me write down the course stuff that I'm getting. And I, and I pretty much get to week 10, and there's 16 weeks, and then I run out of ideas. 
And I like to, you know, if I got to figure it all out by the end, I don't know. You know, usually I go kind of week to week and it just kind of morphs into what it morphs into while I'm teaching the class. But I don't think that's the way a three credit course is supposed to work. I don't know. But this is a major course. But meanwhile, there's 20 kids now signed up, including my nephew and his friend. So, you know, it's the biggest class I've ever had as well. I just looked it up. There's 18 kids and now 20. Uh, anyway, so a lot of people, a lot of you guys tell me like, oh, I'd love to audit the class. You should do an online class, all this kind of stuff. So I guess you're interested in you know what I'm teaching. I always tell you what's going on. It seems like everybody's on board with it. Why wouldn't you be? This, is, this isn't math. You know, <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if, well, I guess a person like that wouldn't. Well, they might have a podcast. Wouldn't it be funny if I was just a math teacher? And I'm like... Well, what I'd like to talk to you about today are uh, subdivisions, and uh, or, or but no, not those kind of subdivisions. I'm talking about the Rush, the the album uh, subdivision. Now, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Subtraction, multiple. I wanted to make a funny math joke. I can't even think of think something because I don't know any of the terms. Now, when you're dealing with fractions. Well, my class is about movies and the stuff we talk about on this podcast all the time. So, what I'm going to plan for the class. So here's what I came up with the first day. Obviously, we go around the room, we ask everybody their favorite film. Completely important in every semester because first of all, you're getting to know all the kids. You want to talk to them all. You want to make sure it's an interactive class. You want to hear what they like because this is how I structure the class for the next semester. Remember the first time, the three time travel people. So I'm like, let's do a time travel class. You know, so it's like that. So it's good for me. It's good for them. And it, uh, and it kills time. <laughs> but but most importantly, you get to meet everybody, and it's the most important thing. Because you know, by the, now there's 20 kids. I got to remember everybody's name. But it's funny how well I'm so bad with names. With when it comes to the class, I get good at it because you know we're there and we're there two hours, two and a half hours a week, and we're all together in this one room. We you have to know each other. That's what I always thought I'd be bad at. But no, it's actually kind of easy to remember everybody's name after a while, after a couple of weeks, I get it together. Especially when we have a guest and I'm like, uh, Giselle, would you like to, uh, you know, like you definitely want to know everybody's name so you can call on them and stuff. Anyway, whatever. Stuff you learn on the fly. So what I thought I would do is do that and then kind of put out the first assignment right away, which is a dick move for a professor to give an assignment the first week of class, but I think this is a fun assignment. What I'm going to have them do is my friend Evan kind of, came, I came up with this thing, but then he was like, why don't you do it this way? And so each, there's 20 kids. So every two kids is going to take a year from the eighties. two kids take 80, two kids take 81, 82 and so on. And they all have to look up that year. What films came out that year, which couldn't be easier these days and find the worst one and kind of give me a report on why it didn't work, why, what makes it so bad, what makes it an 80s, how high were they when they made this? You don't have to watch the film. Just do the research because the research is part of the learning. And I thought that would be an issue. I was going to have them watch it and give me a report, but I don't think that's logistically possible. But hopefully, once they you know get it, maybe they will watch it. You know, I'm sure they can see clips on YouTube, all that stuff, and uh, something like that. All right, I'm I'm working out the kinks. Then I'm then I'm gonna you know before we have that, that'll be due in two weeks, and then everybody give the reports, and that'll be fun. 
And then I'm just going to delve into every year in the 80s because I, this is what I wanted to do. This is every movie. I was looking at the list, right? So I'm going down 1980. And it's easy to do because they just didn't make as many films as they do now. And you go down the list of 1980 films and just each one is worse than the next. Even the quality films are stupid in the 80s. And this is the class because then it leads into better and the people that made it out of the 80s you know like like i mean woody allen is an amazing example of you know there's a class of movies that don't have any time that you would never know it was made in the 80s like like return of the jedi or something like that you know so there there's that too but you know most of the stuff is garbage most of it like i'd say 90 percent of the stuff made in the 80s is garbage I'm not talking about, but then, you know, you'd have Back to the Future and you talk about, you know, Ghostbusters and stuff like that. Still, though, it's stupid. You know, even the movies that won Best Picture that year are stupid. Chariots of Fire, right? You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Won Best Picture of the Year. No one cares. You're only thinking about Raiders of the Lost Ark that year. This is the thing. The plan. So I'm going to go through all the moves. So what I was planning on doing for you guys for next week is just do 1980 in film. And I'll go over kind of the way I'm going to do it in class. It's going to be funny on how high were you when you wrote this meter? You know, four doobies. (laughs) Which I think I could actually do in class now, now that it's legal. (laughs) So I don't know. That... We'll give it a try. If you hate it, we'll never do it again. But this gives me a chance that, you know, if I'm going to take a weekend off, there'll still be content. And at least I have 10 episodes ready to go that I would film that week. So it'd be, you know, it'd still be fresh. It wouldn't be like I'd film all 10 now. And then three years from now, you know, you're going to be like, um, uh, ah, crap, I have no examples. I'm trying to think. Like, it would be great if I filmed it years ago and then I just put one up during COVID and I'm like, and this movie, Outbreak, is about a pandemic. I mean, this is so stupid because that will never happen to us. So, so that's what I was trying to get at because that's <laughs> hilarious. So that is the plan. If you hate that plan, if you hate it, let me know. But I don't think you will. I think you were okay with my my interim and the other one. So uh, we'll see. Because the other one I was going to do is I was going to split this one up. Uh, do a half hour, put a half hour next week. But you know what happened last time is when I went to L.A., we had the interim one, and then I did a two-hour podcast the next week or an hour and 45. So, you know, I'm I'm giving you the stuff. It's just not coming out at the, the way it's uh, supposed to. That's all. I don't think anybody minds. I know you guys are really, really cool and I have so many great listeners and God, everybody I hear from is so terrific. And that's the funny thing. You know, all you guys come over from the Kevin Brennan podcast. People make fun of Kevin Brennan all the time. And they, you know, my friends are like, oh, you shouldn't do a show. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe you guys don't want to do the show, but the people that I've met from that show that watch his show and listen to his podcast come over to my show and they couldn't be the nicest, nicer people. So I think people just don't, I mean, Kevin, yes. Is he insane and and, and crazy? I I find it to be, you know, madman crazy, madman crazy. I mean, funny crazy to me. I mean, there's nothing funnier than 
what's happening to him now. I don't know if you know, he made fun of Matthew Perry and everybody's on his case. And I was all with him on that. And he, it's like people just don't get him. So the paparazzi's following him around like that's going to bother him. And he fucking loves it. And it's hilarious if you know him. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to him. And he didn't really say anything wrong. Matthew Perry is an asshole. I'm sorry he's dead. Nobody wants him to be dead. I don't want him to be dead. It's going to taint Thanksgiving. But let's face it. I mean, Jesus Christ, the guy had so many chances to clean himself up. We talked about this already. It's hard to feel bad for somebody when you're like me or somebody like Kevin who would like his career. And I'm sorry you had so much trouble with your career that you couldn't keep it together. You know, what do you want us to say? I get it. I get it. People have inner problems. I understand. I do. I absolutely do. I have friends now that are extremely successful and yet extremely depressed. And you're like, how can that be? They have everything. Whitney Houston, all those kind of people. It's just the way it is. You know, it's the, you don't know what's going on in somebody's mind. Speaking of which, I don't know if any of you guys saw the Albert Brooks documentary that is out now on HBO called Defending My Life, directed by Rob Reiner. It's terrific. I just watched the rest of it this morning. It's really, really wonderful. And uh, Sarah's in it, John Stewart. Uh, it's really, it's really, uh, I highly recommend it. Really great realize i mean you know the funny thing about albert brooks when i'm watching that like i didn't really like before defending your life i didn't really like any of his movies that much i was an albert brooks fan but not a movie albert brooks fan like i liked him and i liked the stuff he used to do on saturday night live meanwhile you find out this i mean this is this is unbelievable it's a spoiler alert i'm sorry but i have to tell you because this is unbelievably fascinating lauren michaels came to him before the show started and said I want you to host Saturday Night Live. I want, they didn't have the name for it. He's like, I want, I want it to be the Albert Brooks show. And he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you should have, you know, everybody has a stationary host. You should have rotating hosts. That's his fucking idea. That happens to this day. And he's like, I'd rather do short films, which they have to this day. So, If that was the only thing they said in the documentary, I'd be floored. But it's very, very interesting. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. The other thing I wanted to say is, I don't know if you watched the Tuesday show this week, but that's one of the reasons I was thinking about this movie thing is that, you know, Wayne Fetterman was our guest. And boy, what another, another terrific show. Uh, I hope you liked it. It seemed like the people in the chat room liked it. When you get lucky, and we didn't show any of the slides because the guest was so intriguing and the conversation, at least for me, was so intriguing and great. We talked for an hour and a half without any of the stuff I usually do because the conversation was great. We're talking about movies. We're talking about comedy. It's just like when me and Joey, Joey Cola were there. You know, I have all this stuff in case the guest is going to be, I don't want to say a bust, but you know, they just don't come with the, the, the intent of what we want to talk about. But this did. And this I, I only said, just come on for 10 minutes to make football picks. And we talked for an hour and a half. And so I forgot he's a professor at USC teaching a course in stand-up comedy. But, of course, he's also a film buff. He's also a musical buff. So 
it was so great. You, you know, you can still watch it. Obviously, it's up on YouTube forever. Me and Wayne Fetterman. It was so entertaining. And that's the other reason. I'm like, well, I don't know. This seems to work with my audience. So why not try this uh, movie thing? So, all right, enough of that. I just came back from Jimbo's. I told you. I, I couldn't stop thinking of that stupid Texas burger with the fried egg. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's 10 in the morning. What is the matter with you? But I had to do it. I'm like, well, I'll just go there. I'll coffee up, and then I'll come over and do the podcast. And I was going to call Bob because I had breakfast with him on Thursday, him and his wife, at the diner. I love calling him. He's like, let's make this a routine. And I'm like, yes. But I thought because I was going too late because it was already 10 o'clock, he likes to go much earlier. I didn't think he'd be around. And I was thrilled when they came in because I was just, you know, kind of writing up. I bring a pen and a piece of paper to write up the course listing like I do at the track. (laughs) But it was much better that they came in and we can talk and have a good conversation. And then he bought me breakfast. And that's even better. And it was expensive. I didn't know they charged $6 for fries. But it was worth it. I didn't take a picture of it again. I don't know why. Eh, there's plenty of pictures. You get enough You get enough to eat at home. That's from vacation. Real tomato ketchup, Ed? Oh, we'll be talking about that. Oh, we'll be talking about it, right? That That one, vacation, combines, you know, where we jump off the just talking about 80s movies and go into Harold Ramis and John Hughes. That one combines both of them. John Hughes wrote it. Harold Ramis directed it. Hello. Jerry, hello. Jerry and Elaine saw you. They didn't say hello? No, they were in a rush. They couldn't just say hello? (laughs) Oh, the hell with them. (laughs) They uh, said you were with some guy who was wearing a cape. Elaine, I can see, not saying hello. She's very, what's the word, uh, supercilious. <laughs> How could Jerry not say hello? So I'll just start you off where I left you on Friday. And by the way, today I'm going to the balloon exhibit uh, down by the South Street Seaport somewhere, one of the piers down there. I'm going with Teethy. <laughs> and I don't know what to expect from that. I don't really want to do it. But it's one of those things I need to do. There'll be photographs. I, I need to leave that. It's a beautiful day in New York City. It's about 60 degrees the, the, the Friday before Thanksgiving, you know? So it's like, I don't want to do But the, my other alternative is to sit around and watch TV all day, which ain't bad. But I'm doing that tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday. So this is a, I got to, I'm forcing myself to meet Teethy. <laughs> at the balloon exhibit, I'm trying to do something New York. I'm getting ready for Catalina to come to town. I'm getting ready for my friend Catalina from Chile to come to town and to try and do more stuff. Remember, she's in town. You know, she's, I mean, that's somebody you really got to take around. Coming from Chile, never been to New York City. Uh, you know, and me, I'll just be like, she's like, why don't we go to one of those museums everybody's talking about? I'm like, well, you can go. I'm like, I'm just trying. I guess I'm going to be like, oh, no. No, I got to go. I got to go. I got to do all that stuff. I hate doing touristy stuff, but um, fortunately she'll be here with her, um, what is it, her godmother or something, so they, maybe they can do all the touristy stuff and then I can just do the stuff. The, the stuff she wants to do, which is hilarious, have breakfast with Nick Griffin. <laughs> and what was the other thing? It was something stupid too. Like I'm like, yeah, I got no problems with that. So it's cool. Anyway, Friday, Sarah Silverman again was still in town. 
and I had moved what I was going to do that Friday because her and her manager uh, have produced a short, helped produce a short film. So on Friday, we went down to this, it was a documentary film festival. So we went down to that theater on 12th Street and 2nd Avenue where I used to work in the 2nd Avenue Theater, which is an old Yiddish theater that now they made into a zillionplex downtown. I know there's like 12 cinemas in there or something. And they had this documentary film festival uh, with about four short documentaries in it. And Sarah and Amy and I were just like, well, can we just walk out after ours? And they're like, yeah, 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 because Sarah's the biggest star there. But we didn't. We stayed for all four because they were short and it would have been rude to leave. So we we were the second. We were the second. Well, look at me. I'm already taking credit. Uh, we were there for the second one. The first one, you know, we met the filmmakers beforehand and stuff. And, you know, I took pictures for everybody. I guess I got into a couple of pictures. Oh, yeah. I hope I have that. I hope. Yeah, I hope I have some pictures. Meanwhile, one of the guys who did the music for their film, I think he was hitting on me. Every time he kept on talking, I mean, <laughs> he just kept talking. He goes, oh, this is an awful first date. And I'm like, what? What? I don't know. <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> There'd be no reason to think he wasn't. They're like, well, I thought he was married to the kid. I'm like, well, he's divorced. And I've seen this a hundred times. I mean, I thought he was gay automatically. And then, of course, he said a wife and kid. He's one of those guys probably coming out of the closet a little older. I'm like, I don't know. That's what I thought. I had my gaydar on. Nice guy. <laughs> I, was just, I, was, I was extremely flattered. Anyway. The first documentary was about a, a a black diver, you know, an underwater diver that headed up like in the 60s that headed up this thing called like the Action Adventure Club with a lot of black divers. And what they do or did was find remnants of slave ships that drowned or sank in the in the ocean or somewhere off whatever coast. He knew about it and, you know, it was documented. And then they went to look for the remains and put like some, you know, they're under there. They're not lifting up the remains or anything, but they are putting little memorials on it and stuff. It's really cool. Really well done. You know, like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Then uh, the one that Sarah did was a Holocaust one, which normally I don't like. It's really fucked up, you know, especially what's going on in the world and everything. It's about two guys that were in the Holocaust and they were in the camps together in, I guess, um, Warsaw, one of the, maybe Auschwitz, I don't know for sure. And they were working together in the, you know, in the camps and one escaped and one just was, you know, let out when they were all freed. And they met in their 80s, both living in Ohio. All their friends and family died, of course. And they met and recognized each other immediately. And it's just this wonderful story of these two guys who somehow survived the Holocaust. But unfortunately, you know, I've never seen Schindler's List. I can't. I can't. And they showed one scene from it, and I can't get it out of my head now. And this is why I didn't want to see the movie. I can't get it out of my head. And, of course, all the stuff that's going on in the world is just freaking me out. It's freaking out so many people I know. Me and David Tell have been talking about it today. It's just going to get worse. It's so worse. I. It's funny how they just, they don't, 
you know, it's one thing if you want to blame the Israelis, which, of course, you know, have been trying to protect their land for years. But it's another thing where you're just blaming Jews. I mean, we've seen this movie before, and I don't know where this is coming from, but it's, yeah, where is it coming from? It's, that's what Passover is about, right? We talked about that last week. It's, it's been going on forever. I, I don't know what it is about the Jews that irks everybody. Well, of course, we do know. You've met Dan Adderman, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, so... It's clearly not a laughing matter, but there's nothing to do but laugh about it because it's going to get worse and it's scary. And there's posters all over my neighborhood about the kidnapped. And I have not seen anybody tear them down. Bob has, and he's confronted some people, but I've seen them put up other posters over them. I didn't see them do it, but I see it and it's it's pissing me off and freaking me out. And like I said, it's just going to get worse. It's not good. So... But it was still a very well done documentary. We were there with the director and the guy, uh, clearly the guy did the music and everything. Everybody was very nice, and it's a wonderful thing that they were doing. And the guys, um, you know, kids were there or grandkids were there, who's the movie was about. So it was all very, it was great to be there, you know. And it, I'm glad I was there to see it. And then the third one was shouldn't have been in there because it was about some. I don't know whether she no, she's Chinese, yeah. And her and her mom went to some excavation, excursion. What is it? Excav- oh, I'm the worst. How am I a professor? Whatever it is, somewhere in Phoenix or, I don't know, Arizona, where they some Chinese train workers worked there and they found some remnants. And I'm like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? That's all you got? Like, after the, the black thing and the Jewish thing, you're like, really? Really? Get the hell out of here. If she wasn't hot, there's no way this movie would have been made. And then the fourth one was really terrific. I got to say it was the best one. It was so entertaining. It's about this black musician, and it, I don't think he has to be black, who lost all his rights in music. And you probably know some of his songs. I can't remember his name. And you probably know some of his music because uh, it was just he made music in the 80s. He wrote all these songs, and then he lost the rights. He signed a contract from a long time ago. And it's about they're trying to get all these people that have lost their rights to try and get them back. And they confront this place that like BMG or whatever, one of those places that buys the rights and they, they're not getting the word back. And I don't know. It's really it was very entertaining. It was a very entertaining documentary. And the guy who it was about was there, which made it really cool. And his music was really good and totally holds up disco wise and stuff. So it was a fun, a really fun night. Uh, with really nice people, and they had a Q&A. We just didn't mind being there, and I didn't care. I had nowhere to go, and we had a really nice time. On, of course, on the way there, Sarah's manager gets, um, she gets very cranky. She gets very cranky. So the cab driver, which is what, this is why I hate cabs, the guy doesn't know how to drive. He just keeps stopping the brake, and she's like, oh, my God, if he just keeps pressing that brake, because they're always trying to move up, because they're in the car all day, so they're trying to move, but there's traffic, and it was driving her nuts, and this is why I do not like to take cabs, but whatever they wanted to do, I was in for. I, I don't know why they didn't call an Uber. Not that the Well, actually, no, I've never seen that in an Uber. It's always cab drivers just are horrible, and they should be out of business because uh, Ubers are a little better. A little, I don't know. Maybe they got to take a better test or something. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I've been with the bad Uber drivers that don't seem to know how to operate a, a motor vehicle look straight ahead and talk at the same time remember i told you i had that lady that kept looking back at me while she was talking I'm like you gotta be kidding 
But those are the chick drivers, right? They don't know any better. That's not their fault. You know, it's the guys that get it, right? Hey, how you doing? Anyway, then we went to this burrito place, which was um, poquito burritos. And we went back to their hotel and just ate in the lobby. Sarah loves doing that. I fucking hate it. Because you can't really sit down and eat like a gentleman. I mean, you kind of can't. I don't know. It's, it's weird. And they have this bar at this place. This hotel they were at has like an honor system. So me and her manager had a glass of wine. And then you just mark it down in your hotel room. It's an honor system. You, you, I mean, now that's a classy hotel, I guess. It was very strange. Very strange, but super fun. And uh, that was a good That was a good night. That was a good night. Yeah. And then, and then, so then one of my students texted me right after that on my way home. And <laughs> remember how I always tell you how I always get texts from people Dave, I got this great idea. It's going to be amazing. I got this script and I just got this money and it looks like it's all going to happen. So, you know, I can't believe it. I'm asking you do you have Sarah Silverman's phone number? I fall for it every time. We've talked about this a hundred times. Everything is about me. One of my students texts me and she goes, hey, I'm working on my next project. I told you I was going to hit you up. Do you think your nephew would be the lead in my, <laughs> my new project? I, I mean, this was great. And I was glad. This is a good one. But I'm saying it was kind of long. Oh, she's finally going to ask me to be. <laughs> oh, but I couldn't have been more thrilled. I'm like, he better do it. But I mean, I think he has to work. I think it's this weekend. If he was to shoot it at all, I'm not in the mix anymore. I gave her his number. I was thrilled. that she, And see, look what happened. Him being in the class, she realized how talented he was and, you know, wanted him to be in the film. Look what happens when you leave the house. Uh, so I told you, everybody, that's why he will be an asset to the class now as before I thought he would not be. But his acting, although I don't know how we're going to use his acting ability in this new class, but clearly everybody saw he was very talented. And like I said, everybody wanted to have him read their script. So it was wonderful. And you know what the worst is when I read everybody's script in class when they ask me to read for them the narration or whatever, or be a character, it's my pleasure to do. But I keep pronouncing stuff wrong and it's so embarrassing when you are the professor but they don't seem to care, I guess. They make fun of me, but that's perfectly all right. But I, I'm so embarrassed if I don't know a word. That's like the worst thing you could do is, you know, let them see fear <laughs> out of you. But that was great. So I hooked him up. I'm like, you know, like, hey, call this girl. Don't fuck around. You know, I mean, if you can't do it, that's fine. But just have a conversation with her. So I don't know what they decided. It's just there's nothing funnier than I continue. Meanwhile, this fucking guy, Emilio, who runs the New York Comedy Club, this fucking guy, I can't even believe this guy. Again, he texts me. He goes, hey, do, is Sarah still in town? You're the only way I know how to contact her. I mean, I'm like, you know, and I just want to say, hey, you're a piece of shit. Do you understand that? You're a piece of shit. You keep asking me for everybody's numbers. I've given you everybody's numbers. I've called people on your behalf, and you won't even give me a spot at your club. You're a piece of shit. It's really uncool. And I couldn't believe he did it again. And and my response now is just, it's so out. I'm just like, no, she left town. You know, obviously, I know what I want to write. And I'm like, you know what? It's just not worth it because I know what he's going to say. And he's like, oh, you got to call the... I mean, it's, can you imagine the nerve of somebody? I mean, it's like, I, he has a comedy club. He can completely put me on. Meanwhile, speaking of which, they're opening, they're reopening Dangerfield, which is right in my neighborhood. 
I definitely want to perform there. I mean, not you know as long as they clean it up and they've gutted the place from all the AIDS that's been in there in the 80s. But from what I've heard, it's the guy who owned who bought it. It's like he's like a apparently a douchebag. I I mean, this is what I've heard that he was working at the comic strip and he bought it to spite the comic strip. So if you're buying a comedy club out of spite, this is probably not going to end well. But I would love to get on whoever is working there's good side because I need to play that goddamn club. That is going to be the most important thing that I somehow get to get on four blocks away from my house. You got to be kidding me. Boy, would that be great instead of going down to the goddamn village all the time, you know? And the comedy cellar, boy, that'll be really convenient, wouldn't it? So I don't know when it's opening or, again, who is the guy or anything, but I, I, I got to get in on that right, right away. So when I moved from, when I knew I was doing this with Sarah on Friday, I moved, we were going to, my sister and Mark Opel, who just retired as a teacher, and, and Dory, we're all going to go see this musical, Guttenberg, with Josh Gad and Andrew Reynolds. I was totally looking forward to it. I love those guys. They're they're working Book of Mormon together in the original cast, and then they were doing something, a project of their own. I love the way Andrew Reynolds sings. I think Josh Gad does have a good voice. My sister said he does not. I think he does. I think Andrew Reynolds' voice is like my favorite because he has that kind of fake musical comedy voice, which I I mean, he can hit the notes. He's a really good singer, but it's also that musical comedy voice that you know you make fun of too. So I love it. I love listening to him sing. I've always had the hope that on the day I go to heaven, Heavenly Father will shake my hand and say, You've done an awesome job, Kevin. Now it's our time to go out and set the world's people free. We can do it together, you and me, but mostly me. You and me, but mostly me, are gonna change the world forever. Cause I can do most anything. And I can stand next to you and watch. Every hero needs a sidekick. Every captain needs a mate. Just mostly me. It, it just wasn't good. In fact, I, I really didn't like it at all. And if we had paid what the ticket said on the ticket price, which was for four tickets, get ready, $1,700. $1,700 for the four of us, front row, third row center. I don't know what I would have done. I don't. I mean, I don't think I would have done anything, but I would have been pissed to spend that kind of money on this show. This show is worth 50 bucks a ticket. I even paid too much for it. I didn't pay, I paid a little over that, but it's only worth $50 a ticket. It's not good. It got horrible reviews anyway, I guess. That's what somebody told me. 
but I haven't heard anything about it, and that's probably why. It's not, you know, and usually I hear stuff. You hear stuff about, you know, like the way we heard about Beanie Feldshawn or whatever her stupid name is and Funny Girl, and everyone knew she sucked and everybody was going for the understudy. You know, you hear these things if you're in the community somehow or living in the city, you know, and you t- talk to people. I haven't heard anything about this one, and I guess that's why. It's just not good. It's just the two of them, and they put on these different hats, and they're playing different characters, and it's about this guy, Guttenberg, who invented the printing press. And, and, and that is the gag, that they're like, well, we decided to do a historical thing like Hamilton where the guy who invented the printing press, but it just sucks. So they're going around, but the problem is is that it's, it's a musical, but they don't really sing any songs. I mean, they have a band, like a, you know, a three-piece band or whatever, and they sing a couple songs, but they don't finish them. And I wanted to hear them sing. And I wanted to hear them do harmonies. And I wanted to, I'd rather, I would rather see those two guys just sing a bunch of songs and banter than have done this. I could see myself paying $1,700 for four tickets, $350 a piece or whatever it is, $362 a piece, if they were just going to sing well, not Soundheim, but, you know, a songbook that I would have liked or anything else and just bantered and kind of did a Sinatra Bing Crosby thing or something. Hey, grab a line. Have you heard it's in the stars? Next July, we collide with Mars. You must be one of the newer guys. I don't know if something like that, I would have, that would have made sense to me. This, this, this was so not good. I'll try and get a clip of it if I can, but it's, it's just... It was very disappointing, extremely disappointing. And here's even worse. First of all, if you don't know anything about Broadway, you're going to hate the show because it's all Broadway talk. Like, now this is the 11 o'clock number, (laughs) which of course, and then they explain it, whatever. And they're like, and we're looking for backers. Are there any producers or backers here? And then at the end, like I guess a famous person comes up that's been there. Well, I'm a producer, but this time it was Jordan Fisher. Who's that? I think he might, is he an American Idol winner or something? I I think he's doing something on Broadway right now, and nobody cared. My sister told me the next night, we were there Saturday. Okay, so on Tuesday, the next night, right, well, there was Sunday, and then on Tuesday, Steve Martin and Martin Short were the backers. I'm like, come on, man. And there would have been worth your $1,700. That would have been amazing. Scene four. Gutenberg's wine press shop. It is very late at night. The clock on the wall says like 2 a.m. probably. Gutenberg is working at his press. Ah, I need a break. When I'm at my press, I like to leave my body. Let my mind roam free. Think about my day. Somebody died, somebody cried, somebody lied. I ate stew. And yet, there's the pain of something niggling at my head. I can't forget, and yet I can't remember what the people of Schlimmer said. I cannot read. I cannot read. I cannot read. I hate shoes. Yes, 
I hear you now, townspeople. And I understand you. I feel you inside me. And I've got to do something. Here, I'll take this clock. What can it be? Can this clock ever teach people to read? No, it cannot. It goes in the trash. Wait, there might be something cool in the trash. It's just an old grape. That's not what I need. Grapes are completely useless. No, Schlimmer must read. But what can I do? All I've got's this grape juice bread. But yeah, it wasn't very good. I wasn't. I mean, I think my sister was mad at me for not liking it. But I think the more she's thought about it, she didn't like it. You know, Dory wasn't laughing. She never laughs at anything, which just gives you the Sheldon Cooper laugh, like, huh? Uh, so I, I don't think they liked. It. If they did, they were just saying it. But I guarantee, once they've thought about it, once they've been home, they're like, you know what? That wasn't very good. Maybe David was right. I mean, it definitely wasn't like Back to the Future in the sense that I was just like happy the entire time this time i was definitely looking at my watch when the fuck is this act over and please be one act but no there was an intermission and then they did the second act and i don't know i had visions that maybe the second act would be unbelievable but no so i cannot recommend guttenberg i cannot it's a limited run anyway but, uh, boy, the nerve of them charging $350 a seat for, like, something. My sister's like, geez, it looks like something you just made up and did with your friends. Because that's what it seems like. It doesn't seem like it's just, there's nothing to it. It's, uh, ugh. The best part of the night is we ended up going to the Pig and Whistle right down the street. And my sister was so cool. She's like, well, let's just get everything. And I'm like, yeah, you're all right. I got my, uh, I think they had the Oktoberfest. And no, they didn't. They didn't. I had a Brooklyn Lager. That's right. Oh, we just ran out. Well, of course you did. All right. <laughs> but yes, we ordered everything. It was fantastic. Let's just order everything on the appetizer menu. And we did. And it was fantastic. Now, that's the way, you know, that's who I want to hang out with all the time. That Beth. Hey, let's order everything. Hey, you're okay. So that was fun. And then, uh, you know, then it was like freezing cold outside. It's totally different than today. I don't think I had worn a warm enough jacket. I knew I was going to wear it. I knew it was going to get cold, but I didn't think it was going to get that cold. And I was just trying to, I was just trying to get out of people because you know what happened is like when I was walking there, it was such an interesting day in Manhattan. When I was walking there, I decided to walk down Park Avenue before I cut over to Times Square. And it was so funny. It was right out of like a movie or something you've seen on TV. All the people on Park Avenue were wearing jackets and ties and tuxedos. And they were all going to different places. Like there was definitely a party on around 53rd and Park at a building that everybody was going to. But then there was people also going to other people. And they're all dressed in jackets and ties. And of course, when you got to Times Square, nobody's dressed that way. So it really is a funny juxtaposition of the way Manhattan is. So many separate, so many different things are going on at once. You know, the high class, the low class, the in-between class. It's quite fascinating. But by the time I left being in Times Square again, I just wanted to get away from people. I was getting nervous. I think the climate has been getting to me. 
I wasn't going to mention this, but when I was sitting in the theater, I was getting worried about Hamas, and I was just getting worried that I was thinking about the people in Israel that were just there to party, and all of a sudden, they're just getting machine gunned down, and I was thinking about these fucking cowards that just shoot defenseless people just like the Holocaust. They don't even, you know, at least give them a gun, give them a fair fight. These fucking sissies are just shooting into a crowd, and I was just like, God, can you, because I know Josh Gad is pro-israel and he's making statements and i'm like can you imagine that you know and so not the stuff you want to talk about but i was like this was on my mind how could it not be so i think i was getting uptight just being around people and i just wanted to get away like i just didn't want to be in manhattan at that point not because i was afraid of that but it's just like i was just i just there's too many people around i just need to get somewhere where it was a Saturday night, and I usually don't go out on Saturday nights because it's just too crowded. I mean, it's crowded all the time, but I just needed to get away from people. I don't know. I was just having a moment, I guess. And obviously, this can't this stuff that's going on just can't you can't let it go. It doesn't just leave your head. You, I mean, sometimes it does, but most of the time, you know, you just have to try and deal with it and move on with your life. Otherwise, how do you go on? You know. I mean, you just think about those people from the Holocaust. It's, I mean, how did they live their lives? And all of them, if you see any documentary, they they lived their lives brilliantly. They they didn't seek revenge. They they weren't angry. They were sad, but they lived their lives and they were happy to be alive. It's fascinating. And went saw the worst things that a person could ever see in their entire lives. And then there are people that say that it doesn't happen. And then there are people that are still just complaining about the Jews. It's, I'm sorry. It was going to happen sooner or later. I had to bring it up. Uh, yesterday, being Thursday, I had my big show at the library in Long Beach, Long Island. It had been scheduled for almost a year. My friend Jules put it together. Uh, where, what I met her maybe two years ago at this thing. She's like, you should do my library. I mean, it's really been scheduled a long time. I just couldn't do it because I had class on Thursdays. And then, of course, I knew it would end by this time. I'm like, sure. I was the headliner. I had to do like 30 minutes. It's different for me, but I was ready. I had it written down. I said, if I can just have this piece of paper on a stool, I'm good to go. Because the problem with me is I forget the stuff or the order or whatever. And if I can just have it written down on a piece of paper that doesn't look like I'm looking at it, even though maybe I referred to a couple of, then I am good to go. I feel confident. I'm confident in the material. I'm, I'm all good. I just need the goddamn piece of paper. And I know sometimes it's just so unprofessional, but I'm like, that piece of paper will be such a crutch for me. It'll be so much better. And it was. And it was really fun. So first... I took the Long Island Railroad out there from the new Grand Central Station Terminal. That's brand new. You don't have to take the LIR out of Penn Station anymore. I forget. The train was definitely the way to go. I was thinking about driving. I'm like, well, who am I kidding? The library's right at the train stop. This is too easy. And my friend Rita from work came, which was great. And she's like, you want company? I'm like, that'll be great. So we had a traveling companion. And going into Grand Central, thank God I left early because I was like, well, I, I don't know how Grand Central works with the LIR, so let me go early. And it's a good thing I did because it turns out, you know, Grand Central's on 42nd. So I walked all the way down to 42nd, and then 
it turns out the LIR is more on 47th or 48th. So I actually went backwards and around. And then it's down like six levels. I got a picture of the elevator on the way up again. You know how that, remember I took that picture of that subway station on 63rd Street. That's insane. But it goes down like six levels. I don't know how they tunnel with all these buildings here and everything down that far in Manhattan and you don't hit China or something. It's so deep. But boy, is it pleasant and nice and so much better than the disgustingness of Penn Station that it was an absolute pleasure to be in. Even the bathrooms I went to afterwards were clean and nice and there were people working on them when you were there. It was a, it was, what a difference. Because I don't know, if you ever come to New York, go to the LIR, try the bathroom there. Oh, my God. In Penn Station. Yuck. Fuck. It's disgusting. So I, I guess the homeless people don't know about this place yet. So I guess we're all good. So there's, I'm sorry, there's piano playing going on behind me. I have my window open and I don't, I don't know where it's coming from, but, but I'm liking it. I was wondering if it was coming from the coffee shop downstairs, but somebody complained from this building and they had to turn it off, jerk offs. I like hearing music coming from the outside. I don't know. It reminds me of uh, Rear Window, the movie. So then we took the train out there. It couldn't have been easier. And then the library was right there. They, they had, I th- you know, I thought in my mind, I was just performing near the bookshelves or something like that. But it turns out they had a second floor with an auditorium in it. It was a terrific place. Jules put it together real nice with a couple of books on the side, which made it, you know, hey, you're still at the library. Very smart. And she had these two openers that were very nice people. I don't know what their, how long they've been doing comedy or anything or whatever. It's funny because at first when I met them, it's that typical thing, you know, where you come in and you're from Manhattan and you know all these famous comedians and you work with them and they're your friends. And then you meet these people from out of town who are really in your face about how great they are at comedy. I've told you this before. It's the strangest thing. I, I don't know whether they're doing it on purpose because they're trying to explain to me that they're great or whether that's just the way they are. And it's like, well, when I do comedy, you know, I usually, I mean, it was really weird at first, but then everything kind of became okay when I, when I think they realized you don't have to prove anything to me. I'm normal I, I don't know it's the only thing i can think of because when they started talking i mean i've never heard of these people before and i don't think they've performed out of long island so you know that's it's like a joke and so you know me and rachel see these people all the time where they're telling us how great they do in clubs but you know they've never actually been to the city or anything so it's just it's always strange. but they were very nice people very kind people a boy and a girl really nice i think their comedy was good i i didn't really hear it because i was in the green room and jules was like hey i put out a spread but the spread again looked like that napoleon dynamite spread uh from the movie there were a couple of raw eggs no no she had she's like no but there's slim jims i'm like well you didn't mention that there was slim jim but what i tell you what she did have she's like well what do you want i'm like i don't want anything so we want something to drink. I'm like, well, I, I, I can't deny. I do like my after show beer. I like a can of Budweiser. That's my list uh, when I'm the headliner. Just, just have a can of Budweiser. Well, she had this case. I took a picture of it, this case that was full of exactly six cans of cold Budweiser. It was fantastic. So I get to have my Budweiser after the show. But meanwhile, the show was 
was great. These people were so nice. There was about 80 people. And I, 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 I would say I did very well. I don't think anybody would know. I've never done 30 minutes before. I've done it a few times. But, you know, I don't think they would think I was unprofessional. I felt very comfortable up there. I was very happy to be up there. And the, I think the, and, and, and the best part is, you know, I was, you know, I did a little bit of this. And they were laughing. And I'm like, wait, you guys know who Paul Lynn is? And they started applauding. And I'm like, oh, my God, I only want to perform for you guys forever. And then I just started doing like, Paul Lynn, why do, why do Hell's Angels wear leather? Because Chiffon gets caught in the spokes. Big laughs. I'm like, this is my crowd. So how can I? Then I knew. Oh my God, I'm gonna do great here <laughs> since my my comedy is uh, geared to the uh, the older generation. But I think it works with the younger too because talking about being old um, seems to resonate with the young, as we used to like the Golden Girls and the Odd Couple when we were young. So I'm just saying. So yeah, it went really fun. It was fun. I think I guess did a half hour. And it took off, and you know we had that beer, and then then I saw my uh, my you know my two my, well my friend Rita was with me, and then my my boss. Uh, Monica was there, which was so great. I can't believe she came out. She lives in Long Island, so she came out. So that was great. My old boss, my old job was supposed to come, but it was sold out. So uh, it was really great, you know, to see those two. And then we went across the street, right across the street, uh, to to a bar that was perfect. They had the winter lager waiting for me. It was great. I only had one beer because uh, Rita wanted to catch the 9.59, but that was probably the right thing to do because then, you know, you got to wait an hour for the train. I probably could have had a couple more drinks, but everybody was leaving. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you're probably right. And, you know, we ran to catch the train, but we really didn't even need to run. We made it perfect timing. Had to transfer in Jamaica, but the transferring, you just walk across the platform. It couldn't, and the train was right there. Couldn't be easy. Instead of going to Penn Station, go to Grand Central. Couldn't have been easier. The only thing I'm upset about is that Jules was kind enough and gave me a card. He gave everybody a card with a lottery ticket in it, like a scratch-off, my favorite fucking thing. I can't believe it, right? And I lost it somewhere along the way, and I'm very, very upset about it. I'm very upset about it. It has my name on it. It was in my back pocket. I was trying to fold it up, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to fold up the lottery ticket, so I didn't know what to do with it. And I don't know where I lost it. God damn it. I'm so up. It's been bothering me all day. I'm like, what's been bothering me? It's that stupid losing something like that. It's just so. I lose lottery tickets all the time. You guys know this. I don't know. But it was in a card in my back pocket. I think the problem is the back pocket of those particular jeans are really short. And they can't fit it. But it was. Ah. It's driving me nuts. I mean, can you even imagine if somebody found it, they scratched off the lottery, and I don't know what she wrote in it, and it was probably something very sweet. I hope it's no naked pictures. <laughs> I feel bad about that. And then, and, but, and then what if somebody wins the fucking lottery? It's going to kill me. Hey, some man just won. He said, I just found the thing on the floor. and Oh, so it's driving me crazy. But meanwhile, it's driving me crazy because I feel bad because I'm sure it was a lovely note. She gave everybody a card. Thank you so much for doing the show. And... I mean, geez, you know, that guy James from Governors gave me a car one time. I still have it up on my refrigerator. Dave, thanks so much. You know, I love that kind of stuff. So, if Jules, if you're listening, I apologize so much. I've, it's been bothering me ever since I got home. I don't know if I lost it at the bar or on the train. I actually went back when I realized I'd lost it when I was in Grand Central. I went back on the train 
to see if I could find it, and it definitely wasn't on that train. Who knows where it was? Then the worst is it has my name right on front and my address. I'm kidding. It didn't have that, but uh, ah, crap. So that's upsetting. That's upset. Where is that piano music coming from? I'm going to find that out afterwards. Anyway, I guess I guess that's it for today. I think I think I covered everything today. I'm kind of excited about uh, this week. I mean, Thanksgiving week's always fun to do nothing, and uh, of course, uh, next week we'll have the the fun show. Anyway, this uh, tonight on the the, the 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 Comedy Cellar Nightly Show, we have I don't know what you call her, a comedian, actress, Instagram influencer, Noel Leone. I mean, she's gorgeous. I don't know what that's going to be like. We've met a couple times. I mean, she's probably a little insane, but she's so pretty. We'll we'll let it go. And you know how we like to have guests like that on the show. So, you know, and then we'll put a Todd Barry on and then, then we'll bring up another hot girl and uh, <laughs> we mix it up. And that's what we do. Um, Billy Joel this week, I think we have the, what's the letter? W? The W's wrap up. The W's wrap up. The W's wrap up. And then, of course, after that is our X show which I told you about, which is going to be phenomenal. Let me move on to the Y. Hey now, we're almost done. Although it won't be done until May of 2024. Can you believe it? You're like, how the fuck can that be? Well, you'll see. Anyhow, thank you so much for listening to Just Gow in the City. I hope everyone has an unbelievable Thanksgiving holiday. I, th- I hope you have time off from work. You rest a little bit. Relax. Just hang out, have a good time, recharge for the Christmas holidays, and then, of course, the ultimate 2024. When my class starts, I'm so excited. All right, I'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great week. If you ask anything, if you ask God himself, you know. But you must ask him without any doubt, and let your spirit grow. You'll know it's all true, you'll just feel it. You'll be a Mormon, by gosh, a Mormon.